Okay, folks, well, tonight, uh, once again, we want to bring you uh, our series of seven Greek words for sin. And you can just, yeah, that's okay. Thanks. And uh, today's word six, parabasis, parabasis, parabasis. I'm not sure how to pronounce my Greek's not all that flash. P-A-R-A-B-A-S-I-S. Parabasis. Which means to intentionally cross a line. And it comes from uh, text Hebrews uh, chapter 2 verse 2. For if a word... If the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense. So here we're talking about, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 4 in a moment. Uh, but I just want to have a look at this verse 2. So again, it goes through and says that... Sorry, folks, I'm having an issue here with a flat battery. There we go. That'll do the trick. Yep. All right, sorry about that. So I want to concentrate here on verse 2 for a moment. It says, For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, or, or another word for recompense is, uh, is punishment. So, um, so the word here, um, parabas, parababus, para, parabasis, parabasis, this word comes from these uh, two words here in verse 2, which is um, transgression and disobedience. Transgression and disobedience. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, transgression and disobedience. But let me read verses, uh, chapter, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, just to give some context. For this reason we must pay close, much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed by us, sorry, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also bearing witness with them, both by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So the problem here is to intentionally cross a line. And this is willful disobedience and does not make God happy if we intentionally cross the line. So before we get into um, chapter 2 too much, we need to have a good understanding of what chapter 1 is about and um, so 
before I go to chapter one, I want to talk about John. John says in the beginning was the word. And so chapter one of, in chapter one of Hebrews, there are no commands for the church. Interesting. No instruction for the church in Hebrews chapter one. So bear in mind, John says in the beginning was the word. Now we're not told to specifically do anything at all in Hebrews chapter one. The whole chapter is just a declaration and a celebration of God's final word to the world. And that final word is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Or Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the chapter begins, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, uh, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son. And the point of chapter 1 is something very amazing happened in the coming of the Son of God. And the interesting thing here is that the writer of Hebrews is saying what John has said in the Gospels. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's John 1 um, and John, John 1, 1. And also John 1 verse 14. In other words, God took the Son. Sorry. In other words, God the Son took on human form as God's final word to the world. This is interesting, folks. Not final in that God has not spoken since then. Because all the fullness of God is in Jesus. uh, Colossians 2.9. And the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus. Colossians 2, 3. But beyond what the Old Testament told us, whenever we need to know about God and how he relates to our lives, we learn from what we hear and what we see in God's final word. Remembering God's final word is Jesus Christ. So Hebrews 1 is all about the final word of God, Jesus Christ. In summary, Chapter 1 of Hebrews says that the Son of God is the heir of all things. Uh, In verse 2, he made the world. In verse 2, he's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. Verse 3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Also, verse 3, he made purification for sins. Verse 3, he sat down at the right hand of God's majesty. Verse 3, and he is greater than any angel. Verse 4, because angels worship him. Verse 6, he is the mighty God. Verse 8, God has spoken by his son and this son is creator, sustainer and owner and ruler and redeemer, folks, of this world. Amen. Amen and hallelujah. There are no commandments for us here. Only declaration and celebration of the greatness of Jesus, the final word of God. The first instruction in Hebrews chapter 2 is to listen. Interesting. The first instruction in Hebrews chapter 2 is to listen. So it says there in chapter 2 verse 1, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. Listen. 
Okie dokie. Yeah, where are we? Chapter 2 begins by telling us the reason for chapter 1 is to show us where our first priority lies. And because God has spoken by his son in these last days, and because the creator and sustainer and owner and ruler and redeemer of the world, he is above all angels. We could summarize the first two chapters by saying that God has spoken by his son. So listen and listen very carefully. How does your listening to him compare to your listening to other things? If we want to listen to a music group, we make sure we grab the CDs or Spotify or whatever. If we want to listen to the news, we turn on the radio or the TV. If we want to listen to a missionary who's overseas, we check the email. We make plans for our listening and we buy things and go places to make sure that we're not distracted. So how does all this compare to us listening to God's word? Are you listening to the Bible? Are you making the necessary provisions for that to happen? I hope so. Hebrews is discussing that in the Christian life, we must go on listening to God's word in Jesus. And we must do this with very close attention. We cannot treat God's word casually. Jesus didn't casually get up on the cross. He didn't casually die. He didn't casually go to the tomb. He didn't casually come out of the tomb. No, he did it all with purpose. And we must read the scriptures with purpose. There is an urgency here in Hebrews 2.1. Literally, it says, it is exceedingly, exceedingly necessary that we give heed to what we have heard. This is not just an opinion that you can do if you are especially spiritual or if you have a crisis in front of you or if you're at a church camp or if you need to prepare some lessons. This is a word to all Christians. It is exceedingly necessary to give importance to Jesus and the word of God. There is a concern to get the readers to wake up and listen closely to God's instruction. And one of the great burdens of this book is to show the reader the seriousness of listening to the word of God and consider Jesus and fix our eyes upon him. Growth doesn't come by sitting in your lounge chair, folks. Growth does not come by sitting in your lounge chair. Called to pay attention. And pay attention so you do not neglect such a salvation. The whole first chapter is intended to make this a light burden and an easy yoke. A light burden and an easy yoke. The one we are to pay close attention to is the creator and sustainer and owner and ruler and redeemer of the world. And what he says And what he has to say to us is a very great salvation. A very great salvation. 
Verse 3 says, How we shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And the one thing that distinguishes a Christian from a non-Christian is that a Christian has been born again with a new nature that regards Christ as supremely valuable. As a result, we find the argument of chapter 1 powerfully condemning. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me start again. As a result, we find the argument of powerful of chapter 1 powerfully compelling. Not condemning, compelling. God has spoken in these last days through who? Through his son. And for this reason, we must listen and we should de- desire to listen all the more closely to what he says. The Christian life is first and foremost a life of contemplation. Listening to Jesus, considering Jesus, fixing the eyes of the heart on Jesus. Everything else in the Christian life grows out of this. And without of this, the Christian life is simply unlivable. This is why the phrase in verse 1 is a warning. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Remember that we're talking about crossing the line. God is creator, sustainer, owner, ruler, redeemer. Therefore, how could you not be vigilant in listening and considering and fixing your eyes on him? There's a difference between standing still and drifting from the Christian life. Drifting is a deadly thing in the Christian life. But to remedy it is to focus on what God is saying and doing, excuse me, in your life. It comes down to our relationship with God versus sinful desire. The choice as to whether we intentionally cross the line or not. And verse 3 talks about neglecting such a great salvation. If you cross the line... You're neglecting your salvation. And what about salvation that makes it so great? God's gone to prepare a place for us. But even more so, he's here with us now. Immortality, heaven forever. No sin, no hell, no devil. Just peace, loving kindness with all the believers for eternity. How great salvation is, and even more. I can't even begin to talk about how great salvation is. We live with the danger of being involved with the judgment of God and changing the course of our eternal life. Verses 2 and 3 For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape? If we ignore such a great salvation, the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense. In other words, in the Old Testament, God did not speak directly through his son on the earth. But when God spoke direct, he spoke through angels. Hebrews says angels were involved in the revelation of God's word and the firmness or the strength of this word was so great that every neglect and rejection of it was punishable. Now, something much greater has come. 
God has spoken to us, not through angels, but through his son. Hebrews is saying, if we neglect this great word, we become much more guilty than the Old Testament people who disobeyed the word of God, even through angels, and therefore we will not escape. Do not cross that line. Do not cross the line. There are consequences to crossing the line. And folks, it's simple. Allow yourself to drift and you may well drift into a Christless eternity. A place where there is no life, no hope, no way of reaching God. It's God's way or the highway to hell. We've heard a song. I'm on the highway to hell. Don't go there, folks. Don't go there. Don't go there. No life, no hope, no way of reaching God. It's God's way or the highway to hell. Let me wrap it up, folks. We see God's grace in giving us both positive and negative incentives to embrace our great salvation. Negatively, he says that we will perish if we drift away from the word of God. But positively, he says that this word is such that how could anyone even consider crossing the line and not want to listen and live in his word? The creator of all things, the upholder of all things, the heir of all things, the ruler of all things, from the right hand of the majesty and the purifier of all our sins, if we trust him. How could we not want to pay attention to this word and consider him and fix our eyes on him? Folks, focus on Jesus and do not cross the line. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the word today. Lord, there's few verses in Hebrews chapter 2 that tell us not to cross the line. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, every single believer, Lord, to stay true and faithful to the word of God. Lord, that we would not cross that line, that we would put our hope and our trust and our faith in God the Son, in the creator and the sustainer of our life, the redeemer, Lord, the one who paid for our sin and purified us through the work of of Christ on the cross. We pray that every single believer listening to this broadcast will be filled from head to toe with the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit will give us unction and deliver us, Lord, into the hand of Jesus, holy and solely. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to bring convictions of sin upon our lives so we may deal with those things. And get them out of our system. Repent and be saved. We pray your blessing upon us in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon on Anchor Podcast. You can find more sermons on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public and Stitcher. Also, check out our live stream messages on YouTube and Facebook. Just type Wattle City Church into your search window. God bless you and have a great day. Amen.